Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. It's so good to sit with you all in this post-Rohatsu radiance. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Seho Morris to give this morning's Dharma talk and lead our discussion. Good morning, and yes, post Rahatsu. Um, uh, I hope everyone can hear me. And um, I would like to start with appreciation for Yogan, for Gyun for Togon, for Roshis, for Sensei, for the participants. It was really an incredibly strong Rohatsu. And especially the, the, the wizardry, you know, uh, part of my career has to do with technology. And I've led some uh, immersions. And uh, I was, uh, from a nerd perspective, incredibly impressed. I would say that. Uh, I own some Apple stock. <laughs> uh, so deep bows for that and the practice. It was just really strong. Um, uh, I've been practicing for a couple days. And um, so very classically trained in Zen and the practice, but uh, there's this aspect of me um, that uh, reflects um, when I was a kid, I was uh, training in uh, violin um, at a conservatory in Pittsburgh. And um, one day my brother, who was also a musician, my father was a professional jazz player. Um, so uh, my brother brought home uh, this Jimi Hendrix album and it was, Are You Experienced? And I heard it and I, I ran to my father and I said, this is what I'm gonna do. And he said, oh no, you're not. <laughs> and, uh, and so that, that created some uh, late night interludes um, with my brother, him showing me on guitar how he, Jimi Hendrix did it. Um, so today, hopefully this will be a little bit of jazz because the other side of Zen, this, um, you know, some people may or may not know, but I'm a person in long-term recovery from addiction, alcoholism, um, Jazz musicians had a tendency to drink. I would put it like that. Um, so I got it honestly. Um, 
And so uh, been a long-term member of Narcotics Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous and, um, and uh, got clean when I was about 17 years old. And um, the big book always fascinated me. And then it wasn't until after coming to DBZ and beginning to read the Shobogenzo that I began to understand the AA big book as an expression. It wasn't talking about the chemical alcohol. It was talking about Muga. It was talking about being without self. And it was uh, how people were and are living non-dual dharma. And it's powerfully striking. And so, um, so the classical piece goes like this. My favorite koan uh, to date so far to practice with is Nansen's cat. And uh, the way the story goes is um, there was an East Hall and a West Hall at Nansen's temple. And uh, one particular day, um, there was a, a big stir, a major argument. Uh, and at the center of where these two halls met, you know, so you could think of uh, Slytherin and Gryffindor or Slytherin and Hufflepuff. And here they are, and they're just arguing over a basic point. And the point involved this cat. And then, you know, here comes the head teacher of the school. Tired of the arguing, grabs the cat, holds up a knife and says, give me a turning word or I'll kill it. Now, a part of this deal is that this was not a small monastery. This is at least, at least, by record, at least 200 Zen students of any temper grade quality. So one would assume, and not Nansen was making a pretty good bet. He's like, this is easy. I got 200 people on my team. Somebody's gonna have an answer and, and we'll walk away from this and it's just a good day to teach. But much to, I have a feeling, nonsense surprise. No one said anything. They were shocked. They don't know what to do with this one. And instructions to the cook. There's this section in there, um, having tensoed a couple times. So I, whenever I'm tensoing and I'm in that role um, as post, uh, this particular book comes out. But one of the most fascinating phrases to me uh, is that we treat water like blood, that it is that precious. Nothing is wasted. Yes, you need the three flavors and to be mindful in whatever we're cooking and creating. 
but treat water like blood, no waste. And then on top of that, we have our vows, you know, that we're used to chanting all the time. Sujo Mohan Segando, Bono Mujan Segandan, Omon Murio Segangaku, Abutsudo Mujo Segandro. And then when we take our Jukai vows, when we take our Tokudo vows, always do good, never do evil. That is the everlasting law of all the Buddhas. So how does the old man, what's he doing there holding a cat with a knife and threatening to gut it? It was not a successful day for the cat. And so my love of this koan is understanding how often, not just me, but we together are always, you know, in this position that something is being held up and it really demands a turning word, a turning phrase. that will restore the moment to sanity. Step two of the 12 steps. We came to believe that a power greater than ego, this a personality and this identity can be restored to soundness of mind, soundness of care, love, concern, patience, generosity. One of the things that I cherish in my relationship with Shinge Roshi is that she does not pass over the things which I care about with a minimum of concern and say, I hear you, that, that's good luck, but Shoot, fly, work on that Cohen, kid. So the, the deep cons of my life, which is uh, our 400 year koan that has been the cat uh, of racism, still not solved. The young man was killed the other day, 23 years old in uh, Columbus, Ohio. Columbus, Ohio is one of my favorite haunts. I live there. I have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of friends there who uh, go to uh, uh, Ohio State, Buckeye country, uh, the poisonous seed, no less, Oive. <clears throat> and he went out, no criminal activity, no criminal history. Somehow the police were out looking for somebody or some bodies and he engaged in an encounter was apparently coming back from Subway with, with sub sandwiches and uh, somehow in the altercation with the officer he had his key in the door. He turned the key 
fell through the door because he was shot in the back by the officers and died in front of his five-year-old brother and grandmother. Again, how many times are we doing this? Endless dimension, universal, we can't stop taking life. That's a problem. Assault, food insecurity, COVID-19, there are people who are hanging in the lurch. Here's another cat, it's a human being. So people can't pay their rent, they can't uh, buy food, they can't do a lot of things, They're, they may or may not be able to go to work, restaurants are closed, so they can't make the same amount of money. And so there, our glorious Senate is, it is the jewel, the crown jewel of supposedly civilized culture and democracy. We've been standing for so long our constitution is the longest standing constitution that has been maintained in place on the planet. And the people are in between, the people are the cat. And the East Hall and the West Hall, Democrats and the Republicans. And they, and they won't, it's Mitch, let's say it, won't get it done. More concerned about corporate liability and letting people off the hook who force people to work sick with COVID, which helps spread the, the disease. Doesn't really matter that we're now losing 3,000 people a day, September 11. New York City, and then combined 2,996 Americans lost that day. So we're hitting that number, which is also more than Pearl Harbor. And so now we have more than 300,000 people dead. And he's arguing about money. And then the squad is saying, hey, you want to know something? We're not giving up on people. We know that in this deal that, you know, um, the Problem Solvers Caucus worked out that um, we think that people should get stimulus checks because, you know, they have kids, food, you know, food insecurity. They deserve help. It, it, it's going to be okay. It goes on, it's endless in our personal lives. Each of us has something, something, something that is our personal cat. And there's a knife to the situation. And being who we are, 
is people, most of us, want to offer a perfect response. The response where this is the right answer. Literally, this is the right answer. This is the Rubik's Cube solved. This is the theory of relativity. We got it. Because it scares us to not. So we have this cat in our life and a knife to it. And we're not the ones, per se, that are holding the knife and holding the situation. So this is kind of a step one thing, powerlessness, helpless and without authority. On federal death row, we haven't executed people in 17 years. There's a gentleman, uh, an activist, his name is Brian Stevenson. And he is with the uh, justice program. He has this uh, foundation and they, they did some work down south. So if you ever go and see, it's uh, to see the killing fields of slavery and people, it's, uh, from what people have told me, sent me pictures, it, it's painful. It's almost um, uh, not precisely, but uh, it would be like going to the Holocaust Museum. It's pretty painful. It's pretty honest. He says, you know, okay, so since July, we've killed, our government has killed, executed 10 people two just the other day, Brendan Bernard, and it turned out that he didn't even kill a person. He was present. He was with the people. And then um, the federal government admitted that some of the lawyers, they said, we held back some of the information. They killed him anyway, executed him. <clears throat> Despite holding the information back, and Brian Stevenson said, the question is not really, does, do people on death row deserve to die? Do we as a nation, as a government, as people, do we deserve to kill them? Is there the depoliticalization? Is there the equanimity? Is there the fairness? Is there the justice? Is there the dispassionate presence that we can legitimately take their life? And he said, it's obvious that the answer is no. But still, there are three more slated before uh, President Trump ends uh, his tenure. They even have the elections are, are also a cat. So now in the Senate, having lost the, the last uh, Supreme Court battle, the Supreme Court has essentially said, don't come back here. 
will the uh, Jim Jordan's Ohio again create enough hullabaloo to not certify the election? We have so many cats, so many, we need a turning word. It's really hard. And so I'm thankful to Shinge Roshi. I am thankful to my Dharma brothers, Kimpu and Togan, Juyo, Zuigan, Zuiken, Dharma sister Kanchi, Jifu, so many. Myogen, that I'm not forced to solve these koans alone. This is the point of Sangha. That was the vast jewel array of Rahatsu Sashin, where, okay, Hoenji, okay, DBZ. You know, okay, Soboji, but all these other beautiful, shining lights in Indra's net. It's not a philosophy, it's not a theory, it's a reality. And there were nights I was just crying. Because I'm so grateful that I don't have to do this practice alone. That I don't have to be Shukyamuni Buddha under a tree by myself. There's this thing from the AA big book that I wanted to share. And um, it's in a section where it's talking about step three and it talks about being convinced. What's your turn in word? Being convinced we were at step three, which we decided uh, to turn over our will and our life over the care of a higher power as we understand it. The first requirement is that we be convinced that any life which is run on self-will can hardly be a success. If it's about me, 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 probably no, no, no. On that basis, we are almost always in collision with something or somebody even though the I, its motive seems always good. It's strange how the I is either the hero or the villain of every story, and the, even in the villain, the I is the hero. Um, so much for the id. 
So then, uh, and this is Bill Wilson writing this, and he really appears to have had, based on how he wrote it, a Kensho experience. He goes on to say, most people try to live by self-propulsion. Each person is like an actor who wants to run the whole show, is forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players in his own way in his own arrangements, if the arrangements would only stay put exactly where they are, if only people would do as he wished, then the show would be great. Everybody, including himself, would be pleased. Life would be wonderful. And trying to make these arrangements our actor may sometimes be quite virtuous. He may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest and self-sacrificing. On the other hand, he may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. But as with most humans, he is more likely to have varied traits this and that. What usually happens, the show doesn't come off well. Evidence what's going on in our Senate, between the House and the Senate and Congress, and uh, we can't seem to get to a place. These leaders are not leaders. They're misleaders because they're not getting it done. They're not compromising. So what usually happens, the show doesn't come off well. He begins to think life doesn't treat him right. Mm, that sounds familiar. He decides to exert himself more. He becomes on the next occasion still even more demanding, less ingracious as the case may be. Still the play does not suit him Admitting he may be somewhat at fault, uh, he is sure that other people and more are to blame. He becomes angry, indignant, self-pitying. What is his basic trouble? Is he is not really a self-seeker uh, even when he is trying to be kind? Is he not a victim of the delusion? that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if he only manages it well. Is, he not, is it not evident to all the rest of the players that these are the things he wants? It's madness. And then the, the last sentence goes on to say, and do not his actions make each of them wish to retaliate, snatching all they can to get out or scratching all that they can to get out of the show. Is he not even in his best moments, a producer of confusion rather than harmony? Our actor is self-centered ego that is egocentric. 
So that night, Joshu, who was a student of Nansan, comes back home to the monastery. Imagine Shinge Roshi saying, Gimpu, Dogon, you're not going to believe what happened today. It was a moment. I thought we had this. Not necessarily so. Togon or Kimpu putting a sandal on their head and walking out of the office saying, Oi vey, not sure how Shinge Roshi is going to work this one out. Hope no people are pissed off. And if they are, we can somehow heal it. Joshu, Nansen's perhaps most intimate student, walks out with a sandal on the head. And Nansen says, had you been there, the cat would have lived. Here we are in the cross hall of our life. Each of us facing not just one cat, but many, many, many. Uh, trying to use our practice to give us some semblance of equanimity rootedness, groundedness, so that we can face our trials, tribulations, and dilemmas and still afford ourselves our vow. Sujo muhen segando, bono mujin segandan, homon murio segangaku, butsudo mujo segandro. How do we manifest it even when we're powerless? Powerless over circumstances, not powerless in response to these circumstances. <clears throat> As is our way in 12-step fellowship, we're based on rigorous honesty and integrity. Without that in trust, it won't work. My relationship with my teacher, Shinge Roshi, it won't work if I pretend. If I come with some glow in the dark, oh, well, I read in this book, what do you think? Ring, 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 ring. This isn't the conversation I'm planning on having. Bring me your real self. Another Zen teacher, Roshi, that um, had me on the chopping block is my son, Bear. Bear was nine years old. 
and um, I did not get uh, married to get divorced, but there we were. And we were in family counseling because the big idea was that we would uh, disassemble the family with as much kindness, grace, compassion, dignity as possible. And uh, the best thought, uh, Deborah agreed to do this with a family therapist. So at one point we got into this place where Bear being nine years old said, can't we just forgive and, and move on? It's all on the table now. Maybe we can work through this. Can we be back together as a family again? There's the therapist, Bear, Kayla, uh, my uh, older daughter, older than Bear, and my now ex-wife. And, um, and, and they were all looking at me. So I'm like, hmm, okay. Thank goodness for Zazen. Because I wasn't in the way. I was just kind of sitting there. But I heard someone oddly with my voice and through this body say, Bear, do you know like when we go bodyboarding and surfing that when we ride the waves, that when we ride the wave in, what happens? Bear responds. Well, the wave's over because there's no more wave. And then the voice said, sometimes relationships are like that, that the causes and conditions that held the wave together, that gave it its strength and energy, sometimes the wave collapses. And so when a wave collapses and we're there on the beach with our boards, what do we do? And Bear responded, we go back out into the water and we wait for another wave. And I said, true. And we're all still together swimming in the same ocean, even though we may not be on the same wave. Bear's response was tears. And I love you, Dad. And I told Bear, 
you're my dog. I love you, guy. How could it be any other way? This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org slash donate. Thank you for listening.